course. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Uh, first, let me apologize. I do have a bit of a whatever it is, the creeping crud that's going around. And uh, so if I do have to stop and cough or something else, I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, they up there will be silencing me as quickly as they can, but if you get an earful, sorry. Uh, it, it, where is it? There it is. Hey, if you wouldn't mind today, take a few minutes and fill out the Connect cards. You'll find them in those seats in front of you on the backs there. Take a few minutes and fill them out. And at the end of the service, uh, in the back, you'll see the boxes on the side, the offering boxes. Just drop this right in there, and, uh, and we'll take a look at them. Uh, we being the prayer group, we have a team of people who pray for you. So if you'd like prayer for something, please take a moment and put that on the back. Tell us how we can pray for you. Or maybe praise God alongside you because great things are going on. Take a few minutes for that. Oh, and one other thing. Um, on the bottom, you'll see my response. Now, if, if message, whether it be in the words that are spoken during the sermon or message that comes from the songs, if something is spoken to you today, you know, give, let us know. Let it, just jot it down real quick and drop that off in the back. A uh, few uh, announcements. Uh, there are, the church directory is out. You should have gotten an email with it. If you, if you did not get an email with that in it, please, uh, well, you can you put that on your Connect card, or you can call the office, and we'll send you a link for that. Uh, if you don't have the capabilities of printing it at home, or you just like a hard copy, we do have some available in the back. Some have asked for it, so you'll find your name on it. Carl, I saw yours back there. So, it's, uh, so there's some back there with that on it. Um, or we can, you know, you can take what's out there. Uh, closing ceremonies for team basketball. It's already coming to that. We, our team basketball program runs for about eight weeks. Uh, well, nine, I guess, because we did a midwinter break, if you will. So it's coming up pretty soon. And that, uh, that'll be happening at the Delavan School on March 9th at 6 p.m., so if you're interested in coming on out and seeing the kids, we do a parade. The kids all come in, and they go around the basketball court. We introduce each player and each team, and there's a cheering section that goes on. So if you'd like to see some of the ministries that you've been involved with uh, by being a part of this church, come on out and take a look at that. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and we could use a little help with that. Don't worry. You don't have to referee a game or anything, but we do need some cookies. One of the things we usually do is we have like a, well, a cookie buffet. Who could ask for anything more? A cookie buffet at the end of it where the kids can go through and take a couple of cookies. So if you could make like two dozen, three dozen, whatever a batch of your favorite recipe makes, if you'd like to do that, um, you can sign up on the Connect card or next week we'll have a sign-up sheet in the window. You can just jot your name down and, and, and the cookies. Uh, but that, uh, that'll be next week. Uh, senior lunch is happening March 18th, so that's still a little bit off, but we want to make you aware of it. We usually have, let me see, we set up uh, six, seven, seven times six, 42, about 50 people here on a, for a senior's luncheon day. If you're interested in coming out, just come on out. It's okay. We don't check ID check you at the door. I'm sorry, you're only 54. You're not allowed in yet. You know, we don't do that. Just come on out. It's a great time. It's a, and it's an outreach into our community. Uh, I watched my own dad when, uh, after he retired. He's a bit hard of hearing. All right, he's deaf as a post. He won't even hear that because, okay, but he, he's hard of hearing. And his world got small when he retired. This is an opportunity to expand that, to meet some people, to stand around and talk, to, to hear a little bit of a message, to share life together. That's what our senior lunch is about, sharing life together. So if you're interested, again, that's March 18th, and then I'll be at noon. Um, the Church of the Nazarene on Palm Sunday evening, that's March 24th, is going to be hosting a Seder meal presented 
presented by Jews for Jesus, and that's at 5 o'clock. All are invited. It's a community-style event, so you're all welcome if you'd like to do that. Church of the Nazarene, just up the street here, 5 o'clock on Palm Sunday evening. We are also going to be participating in a community Good Friday service that's going to be held down at Pioneer Christian Fellowship. Now, that's going to be on Good Friday, March 29th. Uh, yeah, March 29th at 6, o'clock, at 6 o'clock down at PCF. So all are invited to that. It's, uh, it's about an hour, hour and a half service. Now, a Good Friday service, just so you're aware, is a little, a little different. Good Friday is a day when, well, we remember Christ's sacrifice for us. So it's a little quieter. It's a little more introspective. It's a little bit more, well, heavy, if I can use that word, than light and airy. So just so you're prepared for that and know about it, we will be sharing communion together that day. You know what? We gathered together today to worship. We worship God in a variety of ways. It started by you getting up this morning. When you said, I'm going to go to church today, that's an act of worship. It continued as you came in and thought about the people you're going to meet, the connections you're going to have. That's an act of worship because we're to love God and our fellow man. That's an act of worship. It continues as you come in today and you had a cup of coffee and a piece of pie and stood around talking. It continues as we sing songs together, as we pray together, as we hear a message together. All of that is acts of worship. So let's continue in worship this day as we begin our service. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for coming to this earth to visit with us. And as we start the season of Lent, when we consider all that you have done for us, us, unworthy, and yet so very valuable in your sight, we are left speechless. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all you've done. We invite you to fill this place with your presence, to fill each one of us here in this room and those joining us online or however they happen to hear. Father, we ask you to fill their life as well with your presence. For the others, to point them to you. May these act of worship that we do today, help to point others to you. Father, all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Please stand and join us.
morning, church. Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Holy, holy, oh, would you pray with me? Sorry, left that out. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of the angel armies, though we cannot see you, Lord, you are sitting on your throne, high and exalted with the train of your robe filling the most holy part of the temple, and seraphim standing above you. Without you, Lord, and your sacrifice on the cross for our sin, we would be doomed. We give you honor and glory, merciful God. We submit to you those who are in need of your, your saving grace. Help us to speak words of life to them. We submit to you those who are mourning loss. Help us to speak words of comfort to them. We submit to you those who are sick. Help us to speak words of healing to them. Let everything we say be good and helpful. Holy Spirit, speak words of wisdom to us through Pastor Mark this morning as he faithfully communicates your message to us. Give us ears to hear what you are speaking to us. Bless Pastor Mark and Shelley for their ministry to us. Bless Becky for her ministry to our children and families. Bless Kim for her faithful work in the office. Bless all those who volunteer to serve your church. Protect us from the enemy and his schemes. We declare his plans and attacks against your church, our government, our nation, and our infrastructure, <clears throat> our freedoms and our unity are thwarted in the great and mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I forgot to tell you a little earlier, uh, thank you for those who prayed for my dad. My dad had some surgery this past week. Uh, everything went well. I was there Wednesday with him and with my mom. I knew everything had gone well because uh, a couple days later I called and talked to my mom. How are, how are things going today? Mark, not now. We're in the middle of medicines and I'm going to kill your father. <laughs> he was back to normal. So it's all good. A little more than a year and a half ago, um, we had a tornado come through Wyoming County. Uh, to be precise, it came right down State Route 78, pretty much. I, you know that big sweeping curve on 78? There was a barn that used to sit there and took it right off its foundation. 
It went up the street, it bounced here and there, took some trees down, and it did a glancing blow off the front of my house. It uh, ripped off the gutter on the front, took a, an apple tree that I had in the, near, in the house near the road and hooked it right up and laid it on its side. The roots came right out. It was cool. Uh, a couple pine trees, and then it went down, down the road a little bit further. Um, I was here when that happened. I was over in the office, and, and I heard about it uh, on a radio that I had playing, and I waited a little bit. It was after lunchtime, but I thought, you know, around 2 o'clock, I better go home and see what, what was what. Um, I started out, and I, I went home, and as I got closer, the fire police were out. Well, I stopped by one of them and uh, told him where I was going. He said, oh, the, you know, the road's closed down this way. There's tree limbs down, there's wires down, but uh, you, you should go this direction. Take this road over here, and that'll get you around it all. Now, I could have ignored them, and I could have went on my merry way. You know, I know the way I'm traveling. I'm going this way. I've done it 100,000 times. I, I know where I'm going. But he directed me a different way. Ignore them. You can drive past them. I don't recommend it. You will end up with a traffic ticket. But you can, and, and if you do, you know, there was trees down. There were power lines down. And like I said, in the course of time, I would have got a visit from the police and a traffic ticket and then ended up in front of the town judge. That fire police was not responsible for the tornado. He was not responsible for the cause or the damages it caused. What he was responsible for was pointing out a safe direction to travel, a safe way to go. You know, Jesus does a similar thing. Jesus did not cause us to sin. He did not condemn us because of our sin. We're already on that road. We already know the road well. No, Jesus points us to another way, a way that leads to safety and peace, that way we call salvation. If we will but take the other road. It's a road less traveled. It's a narrower road, but a road that leads to life, full, abundant, and eternal. You see, there are some people who see Jesus as handing out punishment. He's the guy who wrote the ticket, right? Because he ignored him and he went, no, you were just going your way. He points this direction. Jesus doesn't hand out punishment or condemns people. He didn't set up the sin tornado. John says it like this in the message. It's a paraphrase of John 3, 16 through 18. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. Lent is the season that helps us examine why Jesus came and what Jesus did for us, how Jesus did this, and if we choose to follow where we stand in relationship to God now and for all eternity. That's what Lent is about.
Now, as we begin, let me just say, Lent is not one of those woohoo times of celebration seasons, all right? It's not like that time between Thanksgiving and Christmas when all the Christmas lights come out and everybody's thinking about presents under the tree and we're all going to decorate cookie. It's not that type of season. So I apologize in advance if the next couple weeks seem a little heavy. But even in the heavy, we can still see the joy that is available to us. Lent is based upon that early church idea of bringing new believers into the church. You got this book that you can carry around with you. They didn't have it. So for 40 days, someone who expressed that they were a new believer in Christ was taken into the church and was taught, memorized scripture, was taught the lessons of Christ's life. For 40 days, it was reflective of those 40 days of Christ spent in the wilderness. And at the end of that time, at the culmination of those 40 days, they would be a baptism, and it would be on Easter morning. In our modern time, Lent is about drawing closer to God by remembering what Jesus did for us, especially in that week before Easter. It's called the Passion Week, and we'll spend more time on that later. Today, we focus on the beginning of Lent, and that's Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday, and in truth, the whole Lenten season, encourages the believer to take a solemn look at their sin, at their need for repentance, and the price paid through the death of our Savior. Fasting or giving up something for the 40 days of Lent from Ash Wednesday to Easter is a common practice, but Ash Wednesday is significant because of the two themes it emphasizes, our sinfulness and our mortality. Ashes were a sign of mourning. Ashes were a sign of grief. Ashes were a sign of repentance. So Ash Wednesday comes from the ancient practice of placing ashes on your head as a symbol of that, a symbol of your mortality, a symbol of repentance, a symbol of mourning. Ashes are usually placed on the believer's head in the sign of a cross. And the priest or the minister says something like, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's from Genesis chapter 3. Or repent and believe in the gospel from Mark chapter 1, 15. Well, in our church, in our tradition, we don't place ashes on the forehead. It is a useful tradition, and it serves a very tactile reminder that our sin leads to our death, both spiritual and physical. This past Wednesday, we had our sanctuary open for a time of prayer and and focus. But instead of ashes, we had these little river stones available. They're up here. They're black river stones. You put it in your pocket. And every time you go in your pocket for your keys, your change, or drop it in your purse, and you come across it, remember. Remember what Christ did for you. Remember the sin, the mourning, but also remember the salvation. It's a sign of God's love and God's sacrifice for us. So if you'd like one and you were not able to get, come here on Wednesday, that's okay. They're up here on the communion table, and you can just pick one up after service. Put it in your pocket, and when you come across it, remember. During Christmas time, we, we look at some of the prophecies from the Old Testament that are there to, to tell us, hey, there's a Savior coming. He's going to be born, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 8, Jeremiah 29, Micah 5, Hosea 11, Jer- Isaiah 7. We look at those and we, we, we read them at, at Christmas time, and especially on our Christmas Eve services. 
Well, did you know that there's also prophecies in the Old Testament about this coming Savior and how this would all happen? That's what this sermon series is going to take a look at. Some of those pronouncements from the Old Testament. Some of those prophecies that point us towards the season of Lent, culminating with Easter. So we begin with a major prophet. What's the difference between the major and minor prophets? You might have heard them referred to it. <laughs> the major prophet just wrote more. <laughs> it's not that they're more important. They just wrote a bigger book. But let's begin with one of them. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. It was read for us a little bit earlier. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Who was this Isaiah guy anyways? Well, other than writing a pretty large book, 66 chapters in all, it's a book that spans years and spans a wide range of topics and incidents that happen. His role as a prophet begins about 740 B.C., and ends about 680 B.C., so about 60 years or so. His writing style is both prose and poetry, and he's somewhat unique in that some of his prophecies are about an event that's going to happen like tomorrow, but in that same prophecy is about an event that's going to happen in a thousand years from now. It's a two-for sale. My wife would be very happy with that. This passage begins with Isaiah coming into the presence of God. And what are his first words? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The thought of God is holy is a reoccurring theme throughout Isaiah. He doesn't leave any doubt in mind. One author of Isaiah says, The book of Isaiah is expansive, dealing with virtually everything that is involved with being a people of God on this planet. The impressive art of Isaiah involves taking the stuff of our ordinary and often disappointing human experience and show how it is the very stuff that God uses to create, to save, and to give hope. As this vast panorama opens up before us, it turns out that nothing is unusable by God. That's an important point. As this vast panorama opens up before us, it turns out that nothing is unusable by God. He uses everything and everybody as material for his work, which is the remaking of the mess we have made of our lives. You and I, no matter what we have done or are doing, God can and will use you in his master plan. None of us no one is beyond God's reach and his ultimate use. Isaiah says, woe to me. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. 
Did the seraphim say, hey, you know what? You're right. Get out of here before the same thing that happened to that guy in the Indiana Jones movie happens to you. No, he didn't. No, the, he did not. He took the lump of coal. God had said, heard the repentance in, 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 in Isaiah's voice. Woe is me. He could hear repentance. I'm a man of unclean lips. He's asking for forgiveness. God directs the seraphim to take a coal from the altar and touch Isaiah's lips. And he was cleansed and forgiven. Isaiah is very much aware, and especially when he's in the presence of God's glory and holiness, that he is not. Isaiah is broken. Isaiah is unworthy. Isaiah is sinful. And this isn't just his personal problem. It's the problem that reaches all of humanity. I am a man of unclean lips and a people of unclean lips. All of humanity, individually, corporately. And folks, just so you know, it extends to this very day to you and me. Isaiah has no time to make an excuse. He has no time to justify his actions. He doesn't remind God, hey God, you remember that time I was really good? You, you remember that time I did that good thing for those people? Do you remember when I offered that? At... He didn't have time for any of that stuff. He knows he's a dead man, dead in sin, who has come face to face with true holiness, God. And all he can do is seek forgiveness. And when he does, it's given. All he had to do was ask, and it was given. Ash Wednesday asks us to come face to face with some stark realities of life. We are marked for death because of sin. We all have sinned. Paul writes it this way in Romans. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. While many of us have the tendency to skip over you know, the bad things, the hard stuff that happens and in favor of an immediate victory, Lent forces us to take inventory of our own lives. It isn't morbid or, or unhealthy to be reminded that we are dust, just a vapor, or that we are still in the process of being conformed into the image of Christ-likeness. It's a way to refocus our minds, our hearts, and our lives on the fact that we need a Savior before we can experience the triumph of Christ on our behalf and in our life. Some years ago, pop legend, superstar, songwriter, and recording artist Michael Jackson wrote a song called Man in the Mirror. Yeah, last week Ozzy Osbourne, this week Michael Jackson. Nobody tell the bishop, okay? Now, I can't sing like Michael, but let me read you some of the lyrics. Not all of them, but some of it. It's from Man in the Mirror. I'm going to make a change. For once in my life, it's going to feel real good. Going to make a difference. Going to make it right. As I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat, the wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street without enough to eat. 
Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see their needs? A summer's disregard, a broken bottle top, and a one-man's soul. They follow each other on the wind, you know, because they got nowhere to go. And that's why I want you to know I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If they want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Michael most certainly should have taken his own advice, but the sentiment is still a good one. The believer, like Isaiah, recognizes that when we see the unholy in the mirror, when we see the real, truthful, ugly us in the mirror, there is nothing outside of God that can change us into being holy. This might seem like kind of a downer to be that introspective, recognizing all that is yet to be done in my life, in our lives, in our hearts, and in our world around us, facing our own spiritual and physical mortality. But Lent doesn't leave us in that dark place. It actually prepares us for hope. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know the last lines there? To bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. Garments of praise instead of despair. To those who repent, to those who believe, no more ashes, no more mourning, no more despair. They're replaced with a crown of beauty, the oil of joy, and a garment of praise. You see, there is joy to be found among the ashes. Eugene Peterson, the author of the message, writes about Isaiah chapter 6, but I also think it pertains here too. Eugene Peterson writes, Isaiah experience in the temple is probably the most important incident in the entire history of worship. <laughs> That's saying a lot. It has been formative in shaping the ongoing patterns of worship for Christians as well as Jews. The reason it has been so formative is that it is so complete and so balanced. The initial encounter between God and humanity does something about healing the differences. There is the majestic apprehension of God's holiness manifested in his glory. There's the humble willingness to admit failure. And there is God's grace that comes rushing in to do something about it, offering forgiveness and newness of life. Worship. Ash Wednesday points us to our mortality and our need for forgiveness. Have you experienced that yet? Ash Wednesday points us to joy that comes with that forgiveness. The ashes get removed and we're crowned with beauty, joy, and garments of praise. Are you living that today? 
Lent is important. It's important to realize all that was done for us. The overwhelming, endless love of God for each one of us. But it begins with us looking at the person in the mirror. Realizing that I need God. I need a change that only comes through that free and loving gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's what Lent is about. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Father God, thank you. Thank you for this season. Oh, it's a heavy one, and I get that. Because we talk about mortality. We talk about someone else paying my debt. And not by paying it in $100 bills, but by paying it in blood by paying it off in a life that my sin caused that. It's a heavy time. But in that heavy time, there's also joy. For from those ashes comes a crown of beauty. From there comes the oil of joy and garments of praise. So Father, as we walk this path, this Lent, Show us those things of joy that come from it. Show us those things of beauty that are manifest in it. Help us to open our eyes to you. Father, there may be some who have never done that, and I offer them that opportunity now. You don't have to say anything out loud. You don't have to raise a hand. You don't have to... This is a discussion between you and God. Let me just help you on that discussion path. Father, forgive me for my sin. I accept your son as my savior. Father, help me to see the way I should go. Like that fire police, direction. Help me to follow your direction. Father, I invite you into my life. For others, Father, it's a day when we need to start living that life that you have given to us. Start living like we're on that side road, that narrower path but a path full of beauty, full of joy, full of love, full of life for both now and forever. So, Father, I would pray for others that you would open their eyes to the view that's around them, the opportunities that exist. And for all of us, Father, I would pray for your peace. I would pray for your joy. I would pray for you to fill us more. Amen. Please, ladies. Please stand and join us.
sorry, that's one of my favorite ones. Because <laughs> they cry at the end of it all the time. <sighs> Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called. That's you folks, so you know. You will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Have a good week. Uh, uh, look at him coming up here. Ah, we missed you, man.